Hi. Hello. I'm Alexis Hyde. I'm Erica Wong. And this is Hyde or Practice. This week, we have the one, the only, Jesse Cohen, PR superstar, all-around woman of fabulous hair, child has fabulous hair. It's genetic. It's deep, guys. You can't even control it. Uh, and it's amazing. And glowy, plump skin. I know. She, I wish you guys could see her. She looks just like always, just like a little angel. Um, but her, the only thing that's greater than her hair is the knowledge she has about PR and the generosity of which she's going to share some nuggets of information with us. Jesse, welcome. Hi. <laughs> I think we made her awkward. Turned. She feels she looks a little uncomfortable. Well, I feel people, comfortable. Well, for people who don't know, normally Jesse's on these calls, but she's not the focus of the call. It's one of her clients, and she's making sure everything's running smoothly. And she's been on. She's been on the, on my, on the silent on the calls for me when I, and she gave me my media training, which was incredible when I was at the museum. So when I was in case, this is your first podcast episode, guys, I used to be the director of the museum of broken relationships in Los Angeles. Jesse did my PR. That's how I met her. And that's why I am so well-spoken today when I'm doing interviews because of this one. So Jesse, tell us, I mean, I, cause I'll, I'll just keep going. So you have to stop me. Um, full-on Jim Carrey over here and uh just keep going but so you are amazing tell our listeners why you're so amazing in case they just blacked out while I was talking about you um well I'm I'm Jesse Cohen and I'm I'm founder of Jesse Cohen PR and Consulting we are a mini agency specializing in art new media film and entertainment I think what makes the work we do an interesting contribution to the art space is that we are oftentimes finding a language to describe these people, places, and things that the the mainstream folks aren't yet talking about. So you know, all of our work in in new media and technology and with clients like the Museum of Broken Relationships where people think that sounds interesting but have no idea what we're talking about. Um, We, for the most part, are pretty unafraid to jump into these experimental projects, I think is a good way to sum it up. No, yeah, that's such a good, yeah, fearless. Because you know at the end of the day, you're going to be able to communicate it. And you do wonderfully. Um, Also, if you guys could even understand how calm Jesse is in the face of panic, because I have a tendency, in case anyone's the first time here, I have a tendency to ramble and I have a tendency to make jokes. And 
I will say things that later I regret that I thought were funny at the moment. And I think there was at least one phone call where I was on the phone for an hour being like, I couldn't have said that. And you were like, no, you probably did. And I was like, we have to retract it. And you're like, we absolutely can't. And, um, and she fully talked me off the ledge, which, so it's like PR and therapist. And, um, but it was really good because then it really made me be a lot more, uh, cognizant of the words that I say. I've obviously lapsed, lapsed on that um, because here I'm doing it again, but. No, you're a natural. You are funny. <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot of wisdom that has been exchanged over the years between the two of you. So Jesse, I'm wondering, what is something that our listeners should know from your expertise that you can drill down, like one nugget of wisdom? One nugget. Um, I think for me personally, and something that comes up for our clients all the time is just the idea that it is okay to learn as you go. That we don't have to have a totally clear picture of everything. That sometimes just putting one foot in front of the other is, is, well, that's the exact thing that's going to move us forward. Um, and that everybody learns along the way, especially great thinkers, artists, storytellers, um, like putting yourself out there to take risks or do something that is uncomfortable. Do an interview on camera that you're not sure you're ready to do. It's all like goes back to there's a first time for everything idea. I think that's a big one for me. It's just the, the process of everything and extracting everything that we can from the process along the way to get better and to grow and improve. That's so grounded. We've talked about that before and it's hard to, if you don't, if you're, especially if you're doing something new, there is no path. Like you're, you are making that path one step at a time. Um, yeah, or I mean, if you're an artist or a curator or director opening a new museum and you know you want to talk to people about it, but you don't know how to talk to people about it, the process of like publicity and marketing will feel entirely new to you. So even just cracking that conversation open can feel risky or a step into the unknown. And I think a lot of times that just that effort of doing something new or that something that makes you uncomfortable in terms of publicity, you might crack open an idea of, of you, you want to have a conversation with a publicist because you think that you're going to, because you want to be in the New York times, or you want to be in a huge outlet, but actually just exercising that ability to talk about your work, to do outreach on behalf of your work can be, more valuable than a story that you think you want. Hard nods, guys. Hard nods. No, because it's true because we've talked about it because I think what people don't realize uh, or it's you don't realize until you're in it is that talking about your work is an exercise. Like that's a muscle you can exercise and get stronger. That like when you first do it, the first couple of studio visits, the first couple of interviews, the first couple of conversations of outreach, might feel a little clunky, but if you, you know, over and like, literally, this is something I have, I don't think I've talked about this yet. This is something I have very big experience with, with the museum 
is that, you know, within a couple of months of talking about the museum, I really got to a place where I could do, you could literally ask me anything. And I had really sophisticated, very complex thoughts about it that sounded very natural and off the cuff when I talked about it, even though it was absolutely rehearsed. And, but it becomes, it is something that you can exercise and get better at. And I think that's the same thing as if you're talking about your artwork or if you're talk if you're talking to, you know, even talking to a publicist about like what it is that you want, like talking about your desires and talking about your wants and your work gets you to a new place of like, oh, like you can actually discover things along the way, I think. Yeah. And artists and technologists, um, filmmakers, all of these people tend to be terrible about talking about their work or their practice outside of their immediate world. I mean, especially in fine arts. And I love the idea of creating conversations that democratize these thought processes and make them more accessible. That's something that great PR can do for an artist or for a film or for a product, any of those things, just breaking it down and distilling it. Um, and, and that's something you learn as you go. That is something you learn as you go. Well, it's interesting because we actually had, when we had Kennedy on, we asked her about her work. And then Erica was like, is that how you would tell just like anybody about your work? And then Kennedy had like a second answer for it, right? Because it's like, you've got your... I'm around art people definition. And then you've got your, I'm around, you know, maybe people who <laughs> don't have, you know, a master's in fine arts and because they are different languages. And that I think also is not a bad thing that it's not bad that if you have to go into like layman's terms or you have to take out like a digestible nugget mm -hmm. of your VR or your art practice to be able to communicate it through a different outlet it doesn't, one's not better than the other, they're just different. The academic talk is important for sure when you're really analyzing what you're doing or what you're creating. But when you're sharing it with the world, you want the world to be able to sink their teeth in as well. I think it's helpful, all sides of it, doing it all the ways, exercising all the muscles and all the parts. It's hard though, because as an artist, like you love what you do. And so what ends up happening, at least for me, it's like, this is literally what's like in, in my head when these conversations happens. It's something like, mm, yep, do this, 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 this. And then all of a sudden you're like screaming, like at the top of like your lungs in your head, you're like, no, but you want to go into this. Now I want to tell you this. And I want to tell you like 4,000 things in like a millisecond. And then nothing comes out and then it becomes a sound, which is usually like a content, like it condenses of like all the thoughts into this, like, and then you're like, oh, I need to stop now because now I'm like overexcited. And then you have to draw yourself back and you're like, oh, so like I've just made an idiot out of myself. So now it's like, I don't know what to do. And I need to like retreat like back into my hole. But then you're like, oh, wait, I still need to go and tell other people what's happened inside my brain. But now I'm like so embarrassed what's happened. And like, I don't know what to do now. So then, so then you're just like freeze. And then like, and all this is happening on the inside. And then other people have no idea what's happened. So then they're looking at you. It's like, what just happened? 
is she having a mental breakdown? And you're like, no, I'm just excited. And I love what I do. And now I can't tell you because now I'm just too excited. And sad face. I think there are two good things about that. One is that that mental explosion in your mind is part of what makes you as an artist so interesting. And I totally believe you should just like set it free and explore it. And then the other good thing is that most of us aren't having to go off the cuff and speak to the New York Times and give extensive interviews. So there is plenty of time to iron out all of these things. Just casual convos with the New York Times. It happens. You never know. You never know, guys. Or other, other outlets where you have to be on the record. Well, definitely don't make that sound that I just like pointed out like don't do it it's not it's not good but I do think that I I almost call it like a script um when you when you say something over and over again and I know for sure like the first few times I can hear myself saying things and it's to me this is what it sounds like and I was like I do know language I'm pretty sure but none of that is coming out of me right now So again, I think it goes back into this idea of like, you're so excited because you love what you do. And then you again, try to go and make human language out of it, which you're pretty sure you know how to do. And, but then it doesn't come out. And so again, it's just like, Oh, it's awful. I do always tell my clients to have, you know, to think of what their party line should be. You know, what's the one thing that when they're talking to press, when they're speaking on the record, like what's one thing they want to make sure that the reporter hears them say about their work or practice or film. That's a, that's a great exercise to do. And just to think and just to be aware of for your own blipping. That's a hard thing. Cause it's like you do, it's like, if there's one thing, like one takeaway, like it's like, cause you could go in about the entire practice or the entire thing. There's probably for any, project or even just like one single painting there's more than one thing you could talk about and but like what like is it most important that you got the exact same paints that Gerhard Richter got or is it most important that you're using a technique that you learned from your favorite mentor in college or is it most important that the subject matter is something that you know has been so important to you for the last two years because all of those are good talking points, but what's the most important thing? And it's easy to go off on any three of those on this fictional painting that I've made. Um, and, but it's, cause it is, it's hard to, cause all of those th- things are all in your head, but if you can, you know, if your party line, I love that. Like, this is the thing that I want to make sure that I get to. So you're not like, oh wait, I forgot to tell you that the subject matter is also important or like, oh, it's also really important about this thing. Um, I like really love that. And I think that's another thing that you can kind of get into like practice, like, you know, talking to other people and outreach and like talking to the publicist, like that journey can be so much more important than you think, because then you're like, well, wait, what is the most important thing to me? How do I get to like distill that idea? And, um, Cause those are kind of things I feel like you, it's hard to do alone in your own, like, cause I think you're talking about like that echo chamber of your brain. It's so easy to get lost in there. And this is when like community and it can be arts people. It can be regular people. It can be internet people, guys, you know, internet people will respond. I know this because they respond to me and I respond to them. Hi Erica. And, 
Um, but it is important to have, you know, no man is an island. Every man's an island. Are there a lot of islands? I don't know that saying well enough to use it accurately. I apologize. There are I no. have an island. You're an island? Yeah, you're an island. There are three islands on this call. There's so many. Okay, more island hopping. Is there a way, this is just my own, because I had the, I had the one, and it's also really funny, is that once you start getting things, it is funny how quickly you think that that New York Times article, you think that that thing is the thing, um, and how quickly everyone else forgets. Because it's fun while it lasts, right? And then it's, you know, and then it's not, you know, it's not the number one thing anymore. And someone else is getting press and that literally has nothing to do with you. And that's kind of hard to do. But it's also like, you kind of, it, that journey of accepting these things as part of it. And then also not getting like too disappointed when it's not, when you're not the focus anymore. And yeah. <laughs> building to the next. I feel like that's, that kind of cycle is is hard to understand sometimes, especially when you're new to it. Yeah, well, I guess that's kind of along the lines of everyone getting their 15 minutes. I mean, a great publicist or studio director or manager or agent can help you so much in your career, but I, firmly believe this is one of my favorite sayings that it is the pilot not the plane and you know you have to be in charge of your own practice whatever it is and no there are many talented people that have had great publicists that have a track record of terrible decisions that a publicist or any marketer or manager just cannot save them from. A good publicist will take, will, will help you identify what your moment is, translate that into a language that feels accessible to bigger audiences and share it with those audiences with the help of great reporters that understand your work as well. But as the news cycle changes and the world changes, the stories that those reporters are covering changes. And, and I firmly believe as an artist that you don't, your responsibility is not to necessarily to adapt to what the news cycle is doing so you can get more coverage. I think you should just focus on your practice and make incredible work and that things will just continue to align when they should. I mean, the, the disappointment for me sometimes is that sometimes these stories can just take ages and ages. I've, not to keep going back to the New York Times, but I've worked on stories with reporters at institutions like the Times for well over a year. And you have a client checking in all the time going, is it, when's it coming out? Or feeling disappointed that it hasn't come out yet. And then when it finally does, you, you feel oh, you know, you can really tell that things have aligned. Um, big broadcast stories and big print stories, major newspaper stories all take a long time. And great reporters and editors all know when a story belongs in their publication as well. You can't force those things. That's a really 
I feel like that goes along with something else we've talked about a lot is that like not everything is the right fit all the time. So like if you get denied by a collector or a gallery or a, a newspaper, that doesn't mean that all galleries, collectors and newspapers are gonna turn you down, but also, you know, they're also, they have their own things to look out for and it's probably better long-term that you're not, if, because if you got shoehorned into a week where they knew it wasn't gonna be a good fit, and then you get no traction because it wasn't a good fit that week because that's what they do, right? And so you kind of have to trust the people who are doing the things and you might not agree with it and you can bitch about it to your friends, but there's probably a reason that they're kicking it down the line or they're saying not this week because, you know, if you get something released in a bad time, I mean, it's all, it's worst. I'd rather have it delayed than have it buried. In yeah. Yeah. You're, you know, if you're working with somebody in PR or if you're doing your own PR or if you're a studio director or manager doing an artist PR, um, it, it does make sense to keep your ears and eyes on, on the news cycle though, because those are your cues to pitch relevant stories to say, I've got a film that fits in here or I have a a client with an exhibition that fits in here. I think that's part of the responsibility of, of sharing these stories. Cause yeah, cause it's all about at the end of the day, getting that right audience where it's gonna be able to resonate because there are those people, no matter what your practice is, honestly, you just have to find it. And you just have to find those people. Same thing like it's, it might not be the first 10 galleries you go to, but it might be the 11th. Yeah. There's well, the right audience for it. Yeah, that's like the 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 word resilience. <laughs> that's the other part of what of what's the theme? What you wish you knew? What what you should know? What you should know? Yeah, resilience is is like everything. Going yeah, if you have to go to the eleventh gallery, or if you have to pitch a story a hundred different ways to land it. I'm a big believer in resilience, not letting people decide for you. That's also a muscle you can work out. That's yeah. And I feel like it's there's really a lot of times we'll like, see something like that and we're like, oh, this is a, this is like my character now. Like I'm not resilient. I'm never going to be resilient. And like, that's absolutely not the case. Um, you can absolutely build to resilience. Yeah. I mean, we're, it, it doesn't feel good to get shot down and it doesn't feel good to get shot down over and over again, but it does feel incredible to get a win after a lot of misses. And that applies to everybody. I think that's what you talked to Yasmin Nasser Diaz about too, was, was failure. And just part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's everything, right? Unless you're like, really like the golden child, I think all of us have to face. But even that, I mean, yeah. I think that there's, even if you're the golden child and like the, you know, the wonder kid for the moment and everybody's clamoring on your door for a profile, you know, you still have, then you have this expectation for the next show, the next production, the next whatever. And it's very, you know, it's, it's, it seems so lovely to be the golden child, but then the pressure is, enormous and then like are you making your own work or are you making what people think that you should be making because of your 
you know, exactly what you're saying, like what the press, you know, responded to. Yeah. No, you should always focus on making the work that you want to make. I mean, audiences can tell when something is not authentic. And when you're having that moment where you're having many reporters reach out to want to speak with you or critics that want to write about your work, I think that's the cue to be more focused than ever also. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to say no to things. It is okay to say no. To, not everything's a good fit. Not everything's a good fit. And press isn't just about doing as much publicity as you can. It's about doing the right publicity. And that's also what makes it um, sustainable, I think, in the long run. You know, I don't necessarily... I can have fun with the term all press is good press and maybe for some things that is more relevant than others. But for, for artists, I think, I think it's better to have one or two or three good stories that your voice is in than a hundred random blurbs in subpar publications. I also think that is important to understand, like going back to this idea of resilience and having to pitch a hundred times and maybe you need to go and do things that a hundred and like tenth time and you just can't see it, is to know who your community is, who are your people. Because I don't think that you can get through to the quote unquote, to the other side without those people holding your hand, brushing your hair. Those are, you know, like, because it's, it's really hard because the rejections are, you take it so personally because how can you not take it personally when it's your work? And, you know, I, if you're lucky and you have someone who does your PR for you, some of the buffer can be shielded for a lack of a better phrase, but the rejection is still, you know, you're still feeling it's you. So I think it's really important to also know that, you know, like you need to have your people. I feel rejected all day long. I mean, nobody sends, I swear nobody sends more emails than I do when we're mid campaign for a film or for a show and we're sending out a hundred emails many of which are oftentimes like cold emails people i haven't met but i think are the right fit for this particular project and how to reach out to those people and how to respond when they don't respond and how many times should you follow up and it's definitely important to know when to let a conversation go but also back to resilience i will say sometimes it's like the fourth follow-up when i'm really like i'm so sorry that i'm pestering you any I don't want this to fall through the cracks. Every now and then, like a, a great reporter will be like, I'm so sorry I missed this email or I keep meaning to get back to you, but I want to do something here. And oftentimes yes. that's right when I've just told myself I really shouldn't send this last email. Well, because that's, we've talked about this before and I will talk about it every chance I get till the day I die. Sometimes these people are just too busy and that's, Fine, because if you're talking to a great reporter or a good, you know, a great studio manager or a great curator, like there's a reason they're great. And that probably means other people think they're great. 
and there's going to be a lot of emails. And like, I know I've missed emails and I'm not even a great, any of those things. I'm like a mediocre at best, but like I'll miss them. And it's not because I'm don't want to it's because I'll read the email and I'll think to respond and a phone call will come in and then another email will come in that's definitely like time sensitive and then I forgot the name of the person who emailed me and I'm like I don't know where that went and then if I'm lucky someone will write back and it has nothing to do and it's great yeah and then and because the worst thing that could happen is if you follow up for the fourth time because it's something important to you and they're like no well, you were already rejected, so it's the same. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a whole folder of emails that I file away because I just need time to respond to them. Yeah. I mean, I think this, this is a good thing to discuss is if you are having to do cold outreach, how do you craft an email that is going to get a response and that is considerate of the other person's time? Because people are busy and nobody wants to read an email from somebody that they don't know about somebody else that they don't know. That's five paragraphs long or longer. Oh my gosh. I have the longest emails and I've written the longest, most unforgivable emails. Um, but being short and being concise and maybe, you know, asking a question and taking your, your time on the front end to do research about the person you're going out to. All of those things save time in the long run and, and probably will make for a more engaging email that is much easier to respond to. I am physically holding myself back from clapping, from screaming, because this is what we've talked about so many times, like if you like make it as easy as possible to get a response. And that does include research on the front end. And that does include like asking an easy question of like, even if it's just like something like random, like, do you have time on Tuesday to talk about this? Because we're as humans, like we're very programmed to like answer the question. Cause if you just like leave it, like hope to hear from you, that's really easy for me to be like, well, I guess that hope was misplaced. <laughs> But, but I think that's like exactly what you're saying though. And like knowing what you like the, the priority have that, like the first two lines, it, what, whatever it is that you're reading, like the preview, whether it's on your phone, whether it's on your, your computer, if those are the two lines that it only displays and that's all the chance that you get for someone to respond, make that the priority. It's difficult because you know, again, it's like that echo chamber. You're just like, I have a thousand things I want to tell you. I can just write you like a Shakespeare play. Yeah, I, I definitely get more responses to really, really short emails than really, really long and thoughtful ones. Um, and I think actually when you're building a new relationship with somebody or going out to a reporter or anybody for the very first time, maybe the most important thing isn't getting a firm answer on your like long-term goal. It's just getting a, a response so you can open the line for communication. You know, you could just say, Hey, Alexis, I, I saw this story that you wrote. Um, I was curious if you might have 10 minutes to, to chat about such and such a project, which I thought might interest you. Let me know. I think that's exactly what I wrote to you. 
I know. I'm saying yes. I think that literally was what I wrote to you. It is. It's literally what Erica wrote because you made it so easy for me to say yes. Like I know why you're writing to me and I know what it's going to be. I mean, it wasn't 10 minutes for us. We talked for like four hours and then we started a podcast, which according to Spotify, was had over 25 hours of podcasting that we've done. That's crazy guys. We talk a lot, but the, um, and we also nod a lot. We do, we do a lot of nodding. Well, we get the best people in here. We're just saying great stuff, Jessica. But it's so, like, that's such an easy email to say yes to. And it is tempting to, like, want to write about, like, at length. But it's also, it's so nice to have that conversation in person or if they get back with, like, specific questions. And then you can, you know, gauge exactly where their interest is and you can kind of tailor it. And that's a better chance for success. Yeah, it's less satisfying when you're impulsive because you want to just give everybody the whole bundle and get a response right away. It might take longer initially to get there, but I do think it's it's more effective. Well, because it's also good too, because it's like, again, like that goes back to what you're talking about, like those steps forward. Like that's a step forward. Yeah, exactly. Getting a yes to a 10 minute conversation is a step forward. And then maybe you find out that this project isn't the great fit, but then you'll have that person in a good place for later when you have the right fit for the project. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's huge. Because again, not all of it's, you know, not all of it's the good fit all the time. No, also a lot of my friends in Asia, this is one of the most common things they say when we're just like chatting. They're, they're like, I'm so tired of people trying to go and write these really nice, cordial emails. And all I want to say to them is, what do you want from me? Why are you emailing me? Just what do you want? And I was like, you wouldn't be offended if somebody just was like, I need this from you. And they're like, no, I don't have time. I don't have the patience. I have a thousand other emails coming in at the same time. So just tell me what you want. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, because true, you think it's so rude, right? But you, when you're the human being who's writing that email, you think it's so rude to just be like, I want this from you. And it's like, isn't that a little cold and a little too much of a transaction? Turns out it's not. No, because yeah, because then you get the, you don't have to, you're not spending time sleuthing through like three paragraphs of, you know, bizarre stories or, you know, back end of a project, which, you know, you might actually have interest in, but if you don't really know what you're doing yet or what you're looking at, you're kind of like, ah, I don't know. I mean, also, have you ever been part of email exchanges with extremely busy people? They're literally like, yes, no, punctuation mark, forward, read below. Things like that. So, okay, you know, this, what we're talking about is meeting people where they're at. If you are going out to somebody that you want something from and that person is busy or accomplished or in the spotlight or whatever is happening, all you want them to say is, sure, I've CC'd so-and-so, let's get 10 minutes on the calendar or let's connect later next week. I've got some time towards the end of December, let's check in then. You know, just that's the only thing that you're looking for. Yeah, those quick, quick little responses. I, I'm actually a big fan of short, brief responses and moving on to the next thing. It's that, 
talk about like having to like learn that lesson. That is something as I'm dealing with more and more people who have increasingly little time that the read below all caps response, yes, no, figure it out. Like those things, like none of it actually is necessarily negative. There's not necessarily a mean tone to it. It's just, this is, this is how much time I have to respond to this email. And that's it. And it's just, and then, and the nice thing is, is when you meet people where you're at, I love that saying, when you meet someone where they're at, they will respect you more for it because you're recognizing where they're at and you're communicating accordingly. Um, and then everybody's happier. Yeah. So maybe going to somebody and just to your point, being extremely forward and saying, I'm reaching out because I'm wondering if this is something you might like to participate in isn't actually rude. It's a sign of respect for their time. Yeah. We need to retrain our brains a hundred percent. Like I, I literally wrote an email last week that was just like, can we meet? And my response was no full stop. I have a deadline full stop send and I was like that is probably so rude of me but like and I literally cannot faff about anymore with this next email it was like one of my students emailed me things and I was just like underneath every question I was just like no do it if you want to no and then it was like read below in red letters yeah and I was like that is, they are probably like wow you are not a very nice human no it's a good lesson though because most things do not need a long response with ex with explanation. I mean, if you've, if you've recently hired somebody to work with you and you are also responsible for training them, maybe then you need to give additional explanation for why the, why you're responding in such a way to teach them. But I, I do think for pretty much everybody else, they can handle a very brief response. Yeah, most, most of these questions that we're giving to people or that we're responding to can be answered with yes or no. And if they can, learn to phrase a question that is a yes, no question. Because being able to ask a really good question also makes people want to go and give you their time. Yeah. No, because it's so much easier to answer a yes or no question than like, how do you feel about second wave abstract expressionism out of Germany? It's okay. Because I have a project for you. And it's like, uh, what? I don't know. How do I feel? I don't even know if that's a thing. But I, you know, it's just, it's harder to, but if you have a yes or no question, do you have time to talk for 10 minutes next week? Yes. Boom. It's so much easier. Um, efficiency of the communication. But that's that. also then, comes down to effective it either because it's easier well. to get like bristled and take that as a rejection and it's not if someone's just because you're getting the answers that's what you wanted so the moral of the story is that jesse is filled with wisdom because she's now said all these things that it's like it's like do this 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 probably makes more sense if we do this we shouldn't overthink things and we're like, oh yeah, hard nod, hard nod over here. It's like, yes. There's millions of people or at least thousands of people who if they heard this podcast would probably roll their eyes at the idea of me sending a short, concise email. 
It's something I too need to aspire to more, but I certainly recognize its value. So what have you been reading, listening, and watching this week, Jesse? Well, I'm deep in season five of Schitt's Creek. I, I never got into it until, I guess, season six won an Emmy again. And for some reason, I was, uh, I realized that I needed to, to watch the show. And so my husband and I have been binge watching it at the end of the night after we put our daughter down. We watched Queen, Queen's Gambit along with everybody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I listening to? You know, I get, I put on the radio, I listen to NPR all day long, every single day. I've done that for years. And yesterday I donated my old vehicle to KPCC. Whoa. Oh my God, that's the dream. That's yeah. a dream. I always, whenever they're talking about donate your, you got an old boat or car. And I'm like, who are these people who have old boats and cars in their driveway? It's Jesse. In my garage. Yeah. My 2000 Audi A4, when I bought it, it was a few years old. I couldn't afford it, but I had my first big job. And I thought, you know, that was a sign of my first big job. And I told myself that I was going to drive it into the ground to get the most value out of it. And 20 years later, I definitely did drive it into the ground and it, it um, finally got to a place where it wasn't worth fixing anything. So as a testament of my love to public radio, I gave it to KPCC. Um, That's amazing. amazing. Uh, Jesse, will you please tell our wonderful listeners how to find you on the interwebs? Oh, I have a I I have a website that's a splash page. It's jessieiscohen.com. J E S S I E I S C O H E N. There's no information there though, unfortunately, but you can email me at jessie at jessieiscohen.com as well. Brave and I'll emails. try to be responsive if your email is short. Such a flex. I love it. Uh, I'm Alexis Hyde. You can find me at Hyde or Die anywhere. I'm Erica Wong. You can find me at To Practice Practice. And uh, if you're listening on Apple, please like and review. It helps us get out to everyone else. And until next time, bye. Bye. Bye.